it changes the equation completely now we are more friendly again partnerships is a completely people game and internally as well it's a huge people game so we work with champions that really take us seriously and then we penetrate into the org welcome to saas connect the saas partnership podcast brought to you by the cloud software association thank you as always to our podcast producers content allies they help b2b companies like you launch revenue generating podcasts They'll schedule interviews, produce the podcast, and promote it. Check them out at contentallies.com. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Today, I'm Sunir Shah, President of the Cloud Software Association and CEO of AppBind. Today, I'm your host. I have two esteemed colleagues, Jake Wallace, now at SignEasy, also chair of the Cloud Software Association, and Rajiv Ramanan at Freshworks, also on the board of the CSA. Let's be honest, we're a friendly club here. We're talking about something really exciting, which is how they turn their tech partnership strategies into a predictable revenue machine, which is like the holy grail for SaaS partnerships, let's be honest. And it's a great story. And we had a prep call a couple of days ago and they would not hold back. So I'm going to stop talking at this point, let them introduce themselves. But I will say this is a live session. So far away in the Q&A box, we will get to as many questions as we can. That's the way this goes. This is about you guys, the audience. So that, Jake, I'll let you introduce yourself first and then we'll turn it to Rajiv. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Sunir. Hi, everyone. My name is Jake Wallace. As Sunir mentioned, I am head of strategic partnerships at SignEasy. My main responsibility is leading all strategy behind partnership here at SignEasy. Myself and a teammate who focuses on our reseller referral program, while I maintain our key partner relationships with Freshworks being one of them. So, hey, everybody. This is Rajiv here. So, I head technology alliances and the startup program for Freshworks. So, I joined Freshworks about five years back and I started with the as a product manager in the marketplace team and started building out our uh, marketplace. Today we have about 1150 plus integrations on our marketplace and we launched about three years back and been scaling quite intensively. So then I took over and moved from product to the uh, business development role and heading all technology alliances for Freshworks. I also run the startup program, the GSI program and India channel revenue for Freshworks. So before we get into it, because I think it matters, is like Freshworks has a huge amount of products. We're talking about one specific one right now. And what is the customer segment we're talking about? Because that's going to be important for people to wrap their heads around what we're talking about. So Freshworks, we have about 12 products right now, but our still our primary focus is on SMBs. So what we classify as SMBs is 0 to 250 employees. And we are segment agnostic. We are more into customer engagement. So everybody needs customers. So we are sector agnostic, but we sell into zero to 250 employees through an inside sales sales motion. And it's a pretty large team that we have to do that. And then we have the commercial segment that is 250 to 500 employees, where we try to go in and work with companies where it's a mix of both inside sales and field motion. We also have the enterprise segment, which is 500 employees and above for us. So pretty much we call it mid-market to enterprise, and that's driven by our field teams. But most of our partnerships, and as I said, our customer segment, we started off as an SMB company. We still cater to a wide range of SMB companies. Most people start at SMB and go to mid-market and go to enterprise, but then they find it difficult to come back. We still have our eyes very much on the SMB segment. So we are still an SMB and a mid-market company and inching towards enterprise. Yeah, and with SignEasy, that's exactly who we focus on, right? SMBs to bid market customers. We're a productivity tool, right? So we can definitely span across 
a number of different industries. But we've seen mostly our customers coming from the real estate space, property management, thinking about lease agreements that need to be signed these days, insurance, banking, construction. We've seen an uptick in education given this time of year, K through 12 schooling and needing documents and waivers and things like that signed. But within organizations, typically sales and HR organizations are primary focus point with regards to our product, which works well with the Freshworks product and the Fresh team. So that's who we generally target. And that's why our partnership here today is an, an ideal one that we're looking to forge here. Well, let's get into it. That's the good table setting, but let's start at the beginning of the story. So who initiated it? How did this thing start off? It wasn't just because we're all hanging out trying to build this <laughs> software association. You guys are actually doing legit business. So like, I think Jake, yeah. you're the one who reached out. So what was the story there? Yes. So last year, sometime, Freshworks actually came to SignEasy and our founders actually have a mentor relationship. So that's huge, right? In regards to sparking partnership. But ultimately, Freshworks came to us for a potential need of for e-signature capabilities within two, two of their products, their CRM, Fresh Sales, and Fresh Team. After going through and discussing the various use cases and kind of where we were at late last year, we started and agreed to work on their Fresh Teams product. And essentially now with COVID, right, onboarding employees and with applicant tracking services that are out there, more so than ever, digital e-signature tools is a big need to streamline that process of onboarding new employees. So that's essentially how the partnership began. Through development time, we worked very closely together to roll out this embedded solution. We last year opened up our APIs to support these types of use cases where SaaS tools could leverage e-signatures capabilities and using our APIs to essentially make that happen there. So yeah, in a nutshell, that's essentially how the partnership formed. I came on board literally three days after we actually officially announced the partnership and the support with uh, Fresh Team and in SignEasy, which was pretty awesome to see the chatter across the industry and, and the support and obviously given the pandemic right in the middle of it. So I took it upon myself to really just jump in and form that relationship and, and take it to the next level from a GTM standpoint and working with Rajiv and, and Christopher on their side to uh, get beyond the, the normal kind of go-to-market strategy of social and peer press release, and blog posts and all that stuff, but ultimately try and form a more tighter strategic partnership. Well, this is actually an interesting part of the story. And I think part of the human side of this, my view as you may or may not know, is almost all partnership is dominated by the human relationships we have with our partners because that is almost going to guarantee success or failure, just the other person you're dealing with and yourself. But like, Jake, you just joined SignEasy and you know you were doing tech yeah. partners at your previous company, but you came in here with a new objective that you hadn't had before. So can you just tell, when you talked to Sunil you know, and said, hey, I want, I want to join yeah. SignEasy, I want to take your tech partnerships from here to there. Like, what did you say to him? What was your objective you're, you're trying to do? It's new for you. Yeah, you know, SignEasy has been very much product-driven for many years. In the 10 years that we've been around, we actually just celebrated our 10-year anniversary a couple of weeks back, you know, focused on mobile platform. We're a mobile-first solution. You know, the ease of signing on the go anywhere at any time was the driver for our growth for many, many years. And integrations, yes, we had all the major players from a cloud storage 
standpoint from an integration side of things, but you know, they were just bolted on as a must have from a product support standpoint. So my goals in, in joining SunEasy is to open up these channels. Many, many years, it's always been just in general from a tech partnership standpoint, it's an add-on from a product you know, side of the house where now we're looking at trying to open up new channels of revenue. So working very closely with ecosystems to essentially co-sell and enhance some product-led or lead generations you know, so that our sales teams can ultimately close much faster and kind of see additional avenues of growth by way of these partnerships. I think ultimately when a lead comes in from a partner, that's a lot more warm than one-to-one relationship and going out there. You got, you know, you're leveraging a number of different conversations that are being had from the partner side of things. And when it makes sense, you bring in complementary partners to help close those deals. Like your objectives and how you shifted and changed and how you came to sign easy is one side of the coin. But Rajiv, this is also interesting from your point of view, because you've gone through a similar objective shift inside Freshworks. I mean, you said you have a, I don't know, like a thousand something tech partners. That's a lot. That's a huge surface area of partners. So what was your objective before 2019 or whatever you made the change? And then what was the change in your objective strategy? So our objectives, when we started our marketplace and we started the ecosystem uh, building in Freshworks, we were very clear. So one is we wanted to acquire more customers and retain customers. That's it. So we looked at integrations as a great way for us to acquire customers and retain customers. And in fact, our analysis of data showed us that if a customer is using uh, one integration, their chances of churn was going down by more than 50%. And that was a staggering data point for us. We had built a few integrations natively on the product and we were doing this analysis with that data. And we realized that, yeah, and the more the people use integrations, it means more tightly we are integrating with the customer's business process as well, which means the switching costs becomes very high and there's one less reason for them to switch. If we are unless we are terribly bad in providing our services or something that they're changing, people don't switch that easily. So that was a metric that really drove us to start going after acquiring partners to come into our ecosystem and so that we can, and it works both ways, right? If a customer is not churning from me, if the customer is not churning from the partner as well. So we just use that as the leeway to acquire more partners. So initially the first one, one and a half years, that was the goal to have as many integrations as possible. And we were personally taking it on ourselves that we should not lose a single deal because of an integration. So the objective was to get more partners and have more apps on the marketplace. A very defensive strategy in the sales. Very common. A very common strategy. Yeah. Like you want to build a better product. You want to have answer all the, check all the boxes, right? Yeah. And also realize that you can't keep building integrations as a company. That's that's something you cannot afford to do when you're growing quite rapidly and you need an ecosystem to come and build on top of you. And uh, that's how we scaled our ecosystem. And then we realized that, okay, there are partners coming into the ecosystem. And we realized that partners also had a lot of customers in the same customer base that we were going after, right? So a great example is SignEasy. So we, when we, you look at our customer bases, it's pretty much the same segments, the same markets, and the same decision makers whom we are talking to. So we thought that, okay, it's, it's very interesting to look at this pattern. And why don't we expand our basic play into a marketing play? So 2019, we focused on moving from a pure play acquisition strategy to a ecosystem and the marketing, co-marketing engine. 
So we took up leads as a target. I set up a four-member team that was focusing on working with partners who were ready to engage with us, who had a customer base, and uh, who were willing to go through this journey with us. Because we were also just like uh, finding out ways in which we can do things. So we put up a plan. Okay. So we had a very basic plan for the initial years. When we get an app, we do a social post, we do a PR, we do a blog post, and the basic template of publishing a video, listing, and all those things were, were basic, right? But what more can you do with it? How can you bring the human aspect of it into building a relationship and building something long-term with a partner? That we started in 2019 when we had relationship managers focusing on technology partnerships. They would identify partners with whom we can go deep. We would build out plan for the next three to six months with a partner. Okay, doing multiple things. Okay, we'll do a webinar focusing on this topic. You will host it. We will just run it. Second one, we will host. You just participate. We drive traffic to it. Then we set up a panel, bringing more partners into the ecosystem, driving something new out there, bring an influencer together and market it. So it was just a set of marketing ideas. We started doing hyper-local events. So this year it's already screwed up. But last year we used to pick a certain target market and do a small event with one of our partners and bring about 35, 40 people and convert one or two out of them, which was very cost efficient. So our whole logic, and when we looked at the results, it was staggering. We were able to generate about 6,500 leads last year, like pretty good amount of leads and very, very good lead to MQL ratio and cost was nothing, right? So comparing to our general lead engines, our cost of marketing with partners was very little because both of us were driving traffic to the event. So we literally split our cost, double the leads. There's a point there you made that's important. You're tracking MQLs, marketing qualified leads, which is something that the direct marketing team would have to deliver to sales. Now the partner team is also doing the same thing. Yeah. Again, we realize that as a partnerships team, we cannot be typical. One mistake that we've seen a lot of companies do is that the partnership teams are really understaffed. So if you want to take up 10 initiatives at, at a time and run it, it is very difficult. They cannot scale it. So we have one advantage that we are based in India and we have a great cost arbitrage out here. So we just loaded the team. I had a four member partner acquisition team that was focusing only on getting new partners in. I had a six member app review team that will focus on getting apps reviewed. So the thing is, we didn't take a shallow approach there. So there are ways to do it, but we didn't take a shallow approach. We test every app as our own product feature. So we very go very deeply there, right from doing content to QA to uh, pretty much everything is being done by our team. So that way we realized that we were uh, investing a lot more. And then I had the four member co-sell that is focusing on co-sell initiatives and co-marketing initiatives with my team, right? So the team became big, but we saw immense results. For every person we were adding to the team, we were able to see great results. We were able to track from lead to revenue for each of them, right? So that became an engine for us. And... Then we realized in 2020 that, yeah, we are able to actually consistently generate marketing qualified leads and that we're able to convert into revenue as well. Why don't we go one step further and go deeper in the co-sell part? Why don't we make it into a sales engine? So initially the idea was like, oh, you're still sourcing the deals. You're not closing the deal. So you can't be called a sales engine. But we had to fight our internal alignment with our revenue teams to go and say that, hey, guys, we are getting you hot qualified leads from partners. So that way we moved a lot of our energy into co-selling with partners where we focus on doing account interlocks, which are time box and very selective. This is important. I want people to like key in to the headline here. So now we're talking about the co-sell strategy, right? So you went from a co-marketing plan, MQLs, and now you're doing co-sales and you're actually driving direct leads from your tech partners, which is like the predictable revenue, like holy grail 
of partnerships is like, I am getting sales qualified leads out of these partners. This is a big shift. This is where you start becoming a revenue group, right? Rather than a product group. This is what you were saying to us on the prep call, which blew my mind. So this is the key. I want to underscore it so the audience can like key into what you're about to say. So what are you doing now to drive qualified leads? So on the co-sell side, what we started doing is we split it into two fronts, right? So one is co-sell with our direct channels. Second is co-sell with our indirect channels. In our co-sell with our direct channels, what we started doing is we started picking up friendly AEs. Again, this is not a very common motion within our company as well. So we started it off piloting with friendly AEs. We picked up a few partners whom we have completely complementary products with. Again, we have a very wide suite of products. So there is a lot of overlap between our products and a lot of our partners' products. But we've adopted a strategy of cooptation. So we realized that when we know that we compete in certain areas, we don't partner in those areas. There are so many other areas where we can partner with, right? So there are some very good partners that we have who have like competing products with us, but we still figure out areas where we can go deep because there's a lot of space to play. So what we do in our direct channels is we pick up our A's and we identify a partner and we start a time boxed and a content lock activity. So we pick up our prospects and run it off and we make it very region specific, right? So if you're talking about US, East Coast, and we want to pick up accounts that are in mid-market segment and pick a few verticals or whatever is the other qualifier that the partner will also bring in where he has their strength, we apply all those filters and take about 20 to 30 accounts that we really want an introduction or the partner can give an introduction into us. And we run it against the partner's customer base and pick up those customers where the partner has strong relationships with. And he can give us a direct introduction as a partner into his customer base. So that is the first list that we generate. So my prospects into partners, customers, partners, prospects into my customers. Second, we pick up customers who might not be direct prospects for my partners, but we have great relationships with right? And our customer success teams always look for hooks to engage with the customer one more time. The more you engage with your customer, you can retain them quite easily. And you have to have these relationships where you act as a trusted advisor to the customer. So you need to really realize which of your customers that will have such a need or can benefit from this need. And we have enough data in the system to see whether they're using such a product along with our system or not. Okay, so, so this, is, this, this is where Jake gets in the story, right? So sign easy. This machine has been running for, I guess, some months, half a year, I think, is what you were saying, yeah. right? And then Jake, you come in with this revenue objective for this integration that's already launched. My always favorite time to come as a partnership manager, three days after the launch. Yes. <laughs> uh, worst thing ever, but <laughs> it worked out. So that you're, so now you hook up with, you talk to Rajiv, right? And he's like, so what's the plan? And yeah. he gives you this plan. So what did you guys do to respond? Like you're new, so you have to align sign easy to this process. So what did you do then? Yes. As I mentioned, when going through the process of pitching to sign easy, my plan, right? 30, 60, 90 day plan of what we're going to do from a partnership standpoint and getting on a call with Rajiv and Christopher and all those folks. It was music to my ears when they brought up this concept. It was new for us as we're just starting out. So Freshworks was a great partner to walk us through this, right? For us, I had to do is really kind of understand the concepts. Rajiv talked about the exact flow of how it ideally should work out, but then understand who I need to bring in on my team. Ultimately, as being a partnership team member, you very much are a cross-functional team member, which is great. So what we did was we ended up bringing somebody from our business intelligence team, as well as our sales director, and lastly, our head of customer success. 
And reason for that is BI. We wanted really kind of numbers and customer base and things like that to understand how many customers are using the integration and understand the industry levels and things like that, right? The sales side of the house is prospect pipeline, you know, understand kind of where we can get that data from to be able to ultimately make this interlock. And then lastly, like Rajiv mentioned, it was about to customer success. So understanding, hey, because we have a great process, an excellent process with regards to our customer success onboarding in that plan there led by a great team. So integration was seeding questions or probing questions is one of those tasks on all these calls. So having them identify opportunities for our tech partners. And we're now doing that more so since I've joined. So that's now proven to be beneficial in aiding this concept of account locking between our tech partners. So those are the three teams that I kind of routed up together. We talked internally, figured out a game plan, and ultimately we have an identified list that we can start engaging in with Freshworks. So Samuel Siegfried was asking, you know, how are you scaling the teams internally? Do you have your dedicated one? But in this case, it's different. You know, so Rajiv, you were building up your partner team at Freshworks, and then Jake, you were recruiting from other teams. So your local context in your company is adaptive. As long as you have the functional resources, you align those teams. So like what happened? Like, so now you have, you're building up these teams. How do they talk to each other? Like you want leads from one, they're not going to do it until you ask them to do it. So what did you do? The reason why I keep stressing the time box action is this, right? So generally account mapping as a process, typically people pick up accounts, they share lists, and then we forget what happened. So when we engage with the partner on account interlocks, we tell them that, so this is the end date. By this date, the introductions should have happened. And there we try to stress on quality over quantity. There are partners like Jake where we can do up to 30, 40 accounts because the teams are engaged to get that much data out. And it's a data intensive activity, but there are partners with whom we've exchanged seven accounts, but it happens within that week, within the timeline that we agree. And that time the introduction should have happened. The sales team should send an email out to say, Hey, this is one of my partners. And would you be interested in talking to them? And the customer says, yes, why not? And then we make the introduction to the customer and Always a partner success manager is uh, on top of this because it's their responsibility to ensure that this activity is completely complete. And at the same time, we don't want to bombard customers also with emails who are not interested. Right? So we try to pre-qualify as much as possible. We send that email out, the customer opts in to get connected. We connect them immediately to the partner and then it goes into our systems. Right? So we qualify it as a lead and then we go on to closures. So this is one set, right? Where it's an account interlock yeah. activity. Rajiv, I just want to make sure everybody's aware, like, you know, when we're not, we're only providing publicly identifiable information, right? So company name, industry that you're in, and potential size of their employees. So I just want to make sure that's clear that, you know, there isn't any customer information being shared. Essentially, we've identified that there's a prospect in our list at SignEasy that is actually a valuable customer and they have a great relationship with that customer of Freshworks and Fresh Teams. That Fresh Teams account manager is actually making that introduction once they've reached out to them. And then if they've agreed to learn more about SignEasy, only then is when the introduction via email is made. So just want to kind of make that clear. <laughs> yeah, Ronan actually, Ignite had that same question. So hopefully that answers your question, Ronan. 
And, but Ron had another really relevant question on this topic as well. So he says that he's had, uh, says Ronan Vengosh, so he said he has had more success convincing customer success to the introductions rather than sales, and sales are highly resistant. Like, Rajiv, you found a way to motivate salespeople to do this. What was the secret? We had a different problem because customer success doesn't get anything directly by introducing a customer to a partner, right? So, but the sales guy, when we are working on the same region, and we are trying to work close to loop. So if a sales guy introduces us to a customer, the sales guy gets an introduction in return. And it's very in a closed loop conversation, right? So it's a lead for a lead. So that way we are able to keep the sales guys more motivated. Customer success, we are still engaging with them and doing it for karma right now, but we are still yet to figure out the best model where everybody is incentivized to run it properly. So one more engagement point is the hook that we are using today. But over the long term, if they figure out that if I ask the same customer success team to introduce uh, 10 partners to a customer, they might not be able to do it, right? So there's not enough financial incentives that are aligned to do that. So we juggle, we change regions, we work on different regions for us to get it. So once or twice a week, uh, once or twice a year, we hit the same customer success guy twice, right? So otherwise, we try to keep it individual and separate so that everybody is aligned. Then Jake, for Sineasy's team, like, did they receive this process well? Did they resist? Like, what was the reaction from your internal sales? Yeah, so keep in mind, this is all new to refer us yeah. on the Sineasy side. So the thought process was, hey, our salespeople have been working these prospects, right, for some time. Their mentality is, well, if I can close these faster with the support of a partner like Freshworks, they're all for it. So from a sales standpoint and the mentality, that's how we're treating it at the moment. And, you know, again, it's early on. So we're certainly going to learn over the course of time on that. But I mean, Reggie's right. And, you know, customer success is definitely the key for us at our stage that they're the ones that have that high touch interaction with those customers that could be potentially be an opportunity for Freshworks. Interesting. And then what about cold, hard cash? You know, salespeople like money, so to speak, but what's, are you trying any financial incentives? So, we aren't at the moment. Again, we're trying to learn what we can, what is working. I mean, I know Freshworks, you guys are doing something, but at the moment for us right now, it's strictly motivator of how we can close those deals much quicker. Yeah. And then for Rajiv, what are you guys doing? So this year we started piloting spiffs for sales teams to introduce partners into deeds. And that is primarily because of two reasons. One is the company has grown quite significantly and we don't have coverage to all the sales teams to enable them on every particular integration that we have on our marketplace as well. So we have a huge set of integrations, large set of partners and a big sales team that is brand new coming in. So in fact, we grew by our sales team by close to 100% in the last one year. Right? So it's impossible for us to keep track of every single app in the marketplace or help them to close. So this year, we started piloting spiffs for our sales team to recommend a select set of apps. So we've said, again, we've pre-selected apps by market, by customer segment, and by solutioning to complementary value to us. And for those partners, there is a spiff for my sales team to recommend them as part of a deal. And as soon as they recommend a partner into an opportunity, we bring in the partner sales team into the deal to work with my AE to close it very quickly. And what we've done is we've reduced a lot of buying friction. So we pre-negotiated solid rates for uh, partner solutions to our Freshworks customers. We've sorted out the contracting part. So how we should do, either it's going to be a direct sell through us or it's going to be a sell to separate contracts for the customer or all those things we've pre-decided with the partner and have it ready. 
we have the battle cards and the one pagers explaining the solution ready so it's all handy all and we've kept it in a central repository for our sales reps as well so whenever they are in a deal there are about 10 15 apps that they have a catalog from to choose from to if there is an opportunity for them to recommend they look at it and they go into the uh, deal and we keep this pretty small because this is not something they do for the money it is just an accelerator for them because it, we don't want this to be the permanent behavior we want to be the default behavior over the long term but to just to kick start it and to solve this problems of new people coming in and a lot of apps going in we are doing that right now and that's pretty working well and i will say it's working well in markets right so india and rest of the world it's working beautifully because there is a lot of localization requests that we get a lot of gaps that we have in the product that we need to close with partners there we mm. see this to be growing pretty significantly in markets like us and europe it's picking up there's a million questions i'm going to start getting through some of them they're, they're pretty interesting so francois grenier from typeform was asking do you prioritize prospects or existing customers when you're working with partners or does it matter for me personally i don't think it really matters if i'm talking to the sales team of course prospects right you know they want to close those deals quicker But ultimately we want to connect as many mutual customers as possible to using these integrations because you know from our standpoint it's creating that you know stick your customer you know ultimately so for us i mean it really doesn't matter for me i think what we think about it is see we are a revenue channel right so a prospect is when we are doing an interlock activity i would prefer it to be partners customers because they have a stronger touch point out there right and if we are talking about marketing activities there are cases when partners can touch their customer base and we can touch our customer base to generate more value so giving our customers to the partner is the best value we can give to a partner and that's where most partners engage for but there are cases when you cannot continuously bombard your customers with respect to webinars and events and stuff like that you are doing at those point of time we'll focus on prospects and green field we have to get to this question because it's 2020 and hopefully you can do it diplomatically so both bradley blinn and sean scott were wondering what technology are you using for the account mapping at this point of time we are still don't use any technology full fledged so we are still going with our relationships with our aes and csms to pick accounts and uh, exchange we are piloting a couple of applications that are out there in the market for uh, cross referencing but we still yet to finalize and try it out because there is a lot of hurdles that you need to cross right from procurement to security to everything and which it's a long process to procure a tool that will help you do account mapping seamlessly that said one of our uh, good friends tom bingham who is currently in google introduced us to one tool called the magic salad which is pretty much like a hash you create an uh, account let's say just hashes it it's more like a hack than a, a consistent to if you have constraint sharing domains i'd suggest go for a hack like a hashing tool that can keep the domain safe but otherwise we are i think when we are not sharing any personally referenceable accounts we are okay to just identify it through we look up and share and the most important part is you don't want to have a huge list so the best part is we go with a specific territory somebody will have yeah. about an account list of 300 to 500 we choose 20 or 30 out of that that's pretty easy to do so yeah. well that's another thing you're yeah, like I mean, you're like going on actual that's exactly like, what we did customer conversations like these are warm these are not just like yeah. spray and pray yeah i mean i like the old days where we used to meet in a cave underground with candles and robes but <laughs> software is okay <laughs> actually one key question that comes up a lot is the huge number of partners 
you have at Freshworks. Question one from Katrina Pagliani. She's at an iPaaS company. She's wondering, if, you know, are you using a cloud connector or iPaaS system to manage your integrations or are they just built yourself? You said you mentioned you built some before. You have a thousands now. Like, how do you handle that? Yeah, so it's, it's a combination of all. We don't use an iPaaS for building a lot of integrations at one point of time. So most of the integrations out there for us are point integrations. And we use iPaaS for a couple of strategic integrations that we ourselves built out or some of our partners might have used. I don't know that. But most of the integration that we have are point integrations with that solutions. And there are some iPaaS players whom we've integrated. Like the typical iPaaS players are already connected with us and we also list them and we drive customers also to them. A good set of examples would be Zapier, PySync, Cloud Elements. So all these people we have integrations with and uh, Trade.io. We have a huge set of partners like that that are being listed on our platform. And mm. we try to send traffic to them as well because if there's a huge long tail of connectors that we don't have uh, relationships with or cannot build out. Right? So when there's an integration, and there are also specific use cases that iPaaS has solved that we cannot, our integrations might not solve. We solve only for certain set of use cases. In those cases, we refer customers to iPaaS, but otherwise we don't use iPaaS for all our integrations. All right, and then the related question on this case now, this may be different between the two companies because let's be honest. So SignEasy is a peripheral in, in technology language and Freshworks is a platform, right? So there are different roles in the industry. So in your case, Rajiv, you might have multiple apps that might be going in to complete a sale. So the one question again from Ronan was, do you do this right now or are you only doing one partner at a time when you're doing this kind of partner co-selling? No, so it does not stop with one partner. So if there's a warm deal that we have and where we want more partners to come in, obviously, so we want to keep it very customer centric. If there's an option for us to recommend two options and let the customer choose one, we do that. Mainly because we are not experts in all the requirements that the customer might have of our partner solutions. We have our, our pre-sales team that is uh, our solutions engineering team sitting under partnerships as well, which we use primarily to vet some of the customer requirements and map it to certain partner applications, but we are not the experts. We know that very well. So if we find that two or three partners match, we give those options to customers. And in many cases, we make the direct interaction of the partners also to the customers so that the customer can choose from. And uh, other thing that comes out of it is like we, how do we manage multiple partners on the same deal, right? So it's very simple. We, as partner success managers, my whole team has clear set of relationships that they manage. And we have everything about that partner documented with us. So if a deal requires signing solution and also requires a remote desktop solution, etc., we just stitch the solution together with our pre-sales teams, bring in the corresponding AEs and go to the customer together. So that's how we do it. And so far, that's what it's been manageable. So let's see how it goes. And Jake, you have like an interesting story because you went from Anchor app, which you can name if you want, to now peripheral app. So has your approach to working with the ecosystem partners changed because you're in a different position now. I mean, I had the same experience. I had a similar experience when I was at FreshBooks, which was an anchor, moving to Olac, which is a peripheral yeah. app, changed my approach to dealing with tech partners. Yeah, uh, you nailed it, absolutely. I was at an email marketing automation platform prior to this, Aweber. So obviously, MarTech and the customers that we were servicing, they use a lot of different technologies. So it was, it was very important for us to be connected to a number of different tools in that space. So moving over to SignEasy, we're taking more of a narrow focused approach and not trying to have 
you know, hundreds of, uh, of partners, you know, we want to have a smaller set of partners, but remain focused in driving product-led opportunities as well as, you know, these new channels for growth as well. So absolutely the mentality really shifted overnight to, to focusing solely on those key partners. You know, and a related question from Kieran Ellen Google talking about professional services. So actually in email marketing, you would have a lot of more agencies, professional services implementing. I don't know what's the situation around SignEasy. Freshworks is a very complicated ecosystem with PSs, SIs around you. The question is, first, do you have your own professional services for enterprise customers internally? And then how do you then, of course, deal with partner professional services companies? And so I can start with you, Rajiv. So how does that work? Like, do you have professional services? I don't even know. Yeah, very interesting question because that also we've seen a lot of change in our strategy from the time I joined. So when I joined, we had a small professional services team and we call it the plugs team. So whenever there is a product gap, they just go write something to plug it. So And we, we at one point of time, we realized that we have more than 4,000 plugs written and it was impossible to manage. And that team was also getting swamped request after request, deal after deal, they would just come in and get the same request and it was impossible to manage that right so then we started building the si ecosystem at freshworks and the strategy that i followed was we hired small companies 20 30 member companies with good development basics and one very good thing that we did as part of our platform strategy is we made the platform extremely easy to build on so people just need html css and javascript to build on top of our platform Right, which is now uh, pretty much any college graduate who's coming out with a degree and some basic knowledge of computer science can do. Right? So we picked up those hungry companies who are very small but want to grow and we started building a small ecosystem out of that. And we started outsourcing a lot of our customer work to that. But then we realized that the partners are not that professional enough. They've not grown professional enough to manage customers this scale. And these customers can be from anywhere in the world. So they literally had to work through different time zones and expectation setting was become a problem with customers, etc. So again, we started putting in a program management office right between the partners and our customers. So we have a very small two-member team out there. So when whenever there is a customer who has a customization request that is coming in, we started having our program management team work with our pre-sales or our uh, support team to convert that into a proper requirement and share it with the end system integrator or our partner. They come back with estimates. We connect the customer and the partner and we always handhold the customer and the partner in the journey. And over a period of time, the partners matured. Now they are able to handle. We still have the program management office. The team is still two members, but our ecosystem has grown quite big now. But we are still able to manage it for the customer and the partner together with a seamless delivery of timelines, contracts, payments and everything taken care of. But as we started hitting enterprises, we wanted more strategic integrations to be built out and which we could not outsource because some of this work require product level changes. Right? Mm. So then now we have a professional services team within Freshworks that takes care of implementation and services. And they are a small team that gets engaged only in very strategic deals or very large complex deals, which we cannot purely outsource. They consume our SA team services as well today. So we just front end everything for the customer. And if it's a high touch customer, very complex enterprise deals with enterprise integrations, which cannot be purely outsourced, our integration teams takes care of it. Anything else, we have the ecosystem to take care of. That is a, quite a journey. Jake, you've also, like SignEasy is obviously going to market a lot through like Apple resellers, Aweber and email marketing. So you've, it's not like 
you don't have them at SignEasy. How does that, I don't, have you brought your resale channel into these kind of tech partnership deals yet, or how does this working so far? So we haven't to date. However, we're working with uh, Apple and their ACN network very closely. As I mentioned, I have a teammate that focuses, you know, a good percentage of his, his time on those IT consultants. And they're also reselling some of our partners as well. So whether it kind of come together in a three-legged stool approach and collaborate as partners to create a unique offering. Those are things that we're exploring today. I've done those in, in my past. That has proven to work extremely well, brings value to the end user because otherwise they might not have seen or have been able to take advantage of those deals otherwise. So for us, yeah, it's you know supporting our reseller network. I, much of them are IT consultants, folks that really are servicing those end customers for all things business related tools. Speaking of reselling, there's reselling with service partners or MSPs, and there's also reselling between each other. Matt Hassett had a similar question. Are you right now doing any like reselling first between tech partners? Are you reselling at tech partners? And if not, like how do you commercialize this relationship? This is just a straight handoff. Good luck. Simplify yeah. or what's going on? <laughs> I mean, I'm not a good luck, but you know, it, it, it certainly <laughs> is just in our case, referrals, right? And value add to ultimately end customer. I think we're, and Rajiv could probably agree, you know, we, we're certainly focused on growing our product and we want to create value ultimately for our future customers, but our current customers as well. And that's where partners can come in and, and help with that. We're coming to the end here. There's a good question here from Jeff Matan that might lead us to the future. So he's asking, partnerships are typically under-resourced. So the question is, I mean, this is a shift to predictable revenue, which is a big deal. Has anything changed in terms of funding or headcount now that you're running MQLs, SQLs? Now, I mean, Jake, you're new. You are the new headcount. So, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are your OKRs or objectives, however you're tracking internally, are they structured around revenue goals and increase? And do you have a plan to, I mean, you're talking, I think, yeah. earlier about setting a budget. You mentioned that earlier in the community. Like, so what's the plan here for you? Yeah, for us, it definitely, this is an OKR for us, the reseller, and also lead generation opening up these channels. So for planning purposes for Q3, I mean, we don't know if we don't know, right? So we're using this quarter to learn and to make better data-assisted decisions heading into the future, immediate future Q4, and then in, in 2021. So for us, this is all learning experiment for us. And, and we're going to take the good and bad and ultimately make it better over time. But working with Rajiv and their established program has been truly amazing to be able to leverage that and kind of go to market together, right? And I think that's a true definition of partnership, right? This is forming this relationship and working towards a shared goal, but ultimately leveraging relationships to achieve that. And to Rajiv, you're further down the path here, and obviously you're a larger company. So how has your headcount budgeting changed with these objectives? So as soon as we started showing solid MQL and conversion numbers, mm-hmm. investments came, right? So investments always follow results. For the first few initiatives that we take, we always are very lean. So the approach that we take and personally yeah. what I push for is, if I have to run a new initiative, I run it as a without investments. Right, go as lean yep. as possible. So it takes time, it yep. takes pain. But once we start showing Prove result, out the concept, yeah, investments have automatically followed. Now we are considered. So we usually 
we used to be the last preference when it comes to sitting on pipeline review meetings, right? Because integrations are typically lost reasons, <laughs> nothing more than that, right? But now we are seen, we are being invited to every single team's pipeline reviews, okay? Because we are bringing in, adding new pipeline. So when we are getting that respect of the sales organization. And so again, a good example is we were able to convert some large mid-market deals within record timelines compared to our other typical outbound engines. So these things, we started publicizing it a little bit more in the company. We realized that, okay, much more warm leads to faster revenue, which means we started getting that respect, the headcount and the budgets. And all these things we try to, and even with the budgets, right? So there are initially this year, we were not given a separate budget. But what we started as, as and when we started doing more of these events, we started riding on our typical marketing engine. So we align with ourselves with our field budgets. We align ourselves with the other marketing teams budgets. We run campaigns with our partners, with our digital marketing teams budget. Everybody gave us access because we were also enhancing their results. I want to touch on that. The, the fact that you were invited into pipeline reviews is huge because you can bring that value that, hey, if anything pops up and, and they mention a partner in something, you can raise your hand immediately and say, hey, you know, can I help you with that? And, and that right there helps in the future having the salespeople buy in to this concept of tech partners as, as a new channel. Yeah, and one very interesting thing is usually we were the team that will go to the sales team to say, hey, take me into a deal because it might help you close faster or it might help my partner. But yeah. now when they are stuck in deals, they send us the customer names and say, hey, can you check with any of your partners if they are their customers? Right? Perfect. So it, it changes the equation completely. Now we are more friendly. Again, partnerships is a completely people game and internally as well, it's a huge people game. So we work with champions that really take us seriously. And then we penetrate into the arc. I love aligning yourself with how a, like a, the CFO or whatever would align with the other teams. I mean, partnerships only accelerates the existing business objectives of other teams. So you're just working with another outside people to run internal objectives, right? And that you're doing this, found a way to do that uh, to scale is I think the powerful lesson out of this story. And the, at least at the strategic level, also market yourself internally. Partnership people mm-hmm. don't do enough PR for themselves. That's for sure. Yeah, I think definitely as partnership leaders uh, or folks like in the space, they should definitely integrate themselves into different parts of the company. I think that's extremely beneficial. In my previous company, I was involved in the marketing planning as well as the sales planning, and then that proved to be extremely valuable. Gentlemen, this has been great. I really appreciate it. Jake, you did call me Sunil once. I told you <laughs> this is going to be a problem. Did I? I oh. Yeah, you know, and I will say that it'll it'll continue to happen. Oh, I know. Even with Freshworks, you know, now when I was at FreshBooks, I told you I sent Giresh an email because like he cramped over the brand. You won (laughs) that. I get you two are just like, that's fine. I'll just take away. Anyway, I appreciate it, guys. This is really wild. I really appreciate the story. This is like the secret to the future of what all of us are working on, especially in tech partnerships. Thank you so much for the questions. I'm sorry I couldn't answer them all, but Jake and Rajiv are in Slack which is cloudsoftwareassociation.com slash join. You'll find our Slack community if you're seeing this online. They're both in there and they're both on the board and they're very active members and they're very friendly. Rajiv will probably tell you about 4,000 things you didn't even hear about because he's very excited about this issue. So I'm putting it on you and Rajiv. Yeah. <laughs> he's great. You should put yourself on me first. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Anir. Thanks, thanks everyone. Take care. Thanks, Jake. Take care. Take care.
If you like this and want more great insights on software partnerships, you've got to rate, like, and subscribe. And join us at thecloudsoftwareassociation.com. Thank you, as always, to our podcast producers, content allies. They help B2B companies like you launch revenue-generating podcasts. They'll schedule interviews, produce the podcast, and promote it. Check them out at contentallies.com. We'll see you on the next episode.